All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined by Rise Up Readers Michael April to discuss the Falcons' Week 9 loss to the Carolina Panthers. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, Mike, welcome back to the show, and uh, you are fresh off of covering this game for the Falcoholic. I, I didn't know if I should intro, intro you as Rise Up Reader or the Falcoholic's very own, since I, I see you know <laughs> that website is uh, slowly consuming Rise Up Reader and, and bringing all their assets <laughs> over there. Yeah, uh, well, Aaron, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, the Falcoholic are some some good buddy, buddies of mine and and Corey's, and uh, you know they've they've helped us uh, you know grow a little bit and presented us with some unique opportunity. So we're, we're happy to help them out this year. And, uh, you know, we've been writing some content for them and, and doing their post game podcast, but you know, any, anytime you get an opportunity to, to get in the locker room and get some firsthand interviews and scoops, I mean, you, you got to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wouldn't know anything about that, but yeah. Um, yeah. So you were at the game. Um, you got to sort of see it, uh, from a, a press perspective and you also got to interview some of the players, um, before we get to some of what you heard in the locker room from the players afterwards, uh, what was sort of your general impression of the Falcons' performance? You know, I think it's because they lost that, you know, things are going to get overblown and they keep losing. So obviously every, something is not right with this team. And whether it be a Super Bowl hangover or the new coordinators affecting them, something is off. And, you know, they've come out strong the last few games, you know, minus the the New England game, they've played pretty well the last few games, even though they've lost, um, you know, against the Dolphins, they had a very good first half that looked like 2016 Falcons. And then obviously the second half didn't work out, but, um, you know, against Carolina, I thought that they started strong again. They had a 10 0 lead. The offense looked good. The defense looked good. And then it all fell apart again. And that's, what's really most concerning is, you know, this team can't finish games. And, you know, when I talked to the guys in the locker room, they were saying that it's it's the little things. It's this all these little things that keep accumulating, and and they feel like luck is not really on their side right now. And you know they're confident that things are going to shake out their way in the future. To to piggyback on that, you know, what would before you talk to the players, what would have been your sort of speculation as why this team is, is struggling so much to to finish these games? Is it they're not their inability to make adjustments? Is it uh, fatigue? Is it complacency or whatever it is and then after you talk to the players did that sort of change your outlook on on that particular issue yeah I think I think you mentioned it there it's to me it's it's a it's a coaching thing you know I think that Sark is still figuring this whole thing out of being an NFL offensive coordinator and it's not something that he's done before even though he's got great players and you know a great offensive line um, you know he should be having more success than he is and I think that you know, the game plans that he comes up with, it seems like they work in the beginning of the game. And then when the defense makes an adjustment, he's not able to counter that. And I don't know if that's something that he can figure out this year or not, but it seems to me that, uh, you know, that's been the issue there is, is the in-game adjustments. And, um, you know, it's a problem that, you know, even Kyle Shanahan, I think, had in his first year with Atlanta, you know, 2015, the offense you know, it kind of reminds reminds me of this offense. They were 
they show flashes and then there's execution problems and it, it's issues with players being on, you know on the same page and um i hope it's something that they can fix this year but I, i'm not i'm not sure but um you know when i talked to the guys in the room the one thing that really stood out to me you know because when i went down there i was expecting them to be a lot more frustrated than they appeared to be uh, obviously they were down on themselves obviously they were disappointed but um, every single guy that I talked to was extremely confident and I didn't even have to ask them, you know, how they were feeling. They were very open and they were, you know, willing to, to tell people that, look, we're not panicking. We're not scared. We're not going anywhere. This, we've still got a whole half of a season to go. We still got a ton of division games. You know, we still feel like the best is still ahead of us. So, you know, this is, this is a mentally resilient team and it showed when I talked to them and I was really taken aback by that. I thought that they'd be a little bit more, uh, frustrated and they just didn't let that happen. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like the brotherhood is, uh, working out in that regard. So that, there's a positive side. Cause I, you know, until you said that, Mike, I was sitting here like, man, I'm, I'm ready to move on to, <laughs> to next year. I'm starting to get ready for the draft and whatnot. But, you know, hearing things like that is like, okay, maybe I shouldn't completely close the door. I can leave it cracked a little bit. And maybe if, if they can come out, um, you know, you know, I don't know how many more games I can go of, well, maybe this is going to be the week. You know, it seemed like that was the case with the 2015 team. And I, I'm hoping that we don't get to that point um, with uh, this year's team. And and so it's just like, uh, you know, whether it's this week or, or next week or, or whatever, um, hopefully they can figure this thing out and get this thing a little bit back on track. I don't necessarily expect them to be playing great football moving forward, but it is one of those things where, and, and the Panthers game, I think, really sort of showed it, is they're finding, they need to find ways to win games, and it seemed like in the Panthers game, from one perspective, they found ways to lose that game. Um, you know, the the dropped pass from Julio was was sort of a, a backbreaker, and, and you being there, uh, you talk, You said earlier before we went on air, share with the listeners sort of what the feeling was watching the game um, in the stadium when, when that play did not go the Falcons' way. So um, I don't know how many of you guys know this, and you know this was this was really my first press experience in the NFL, and it was it was a blast. If you ever get the chance to do it, definitely go for it. But one of the first things they tell you is you're not allowed to cheer in the press box. <laughs> <laughs> But let me tell you, there were a lot of Falcons fans in that press box. And, uh, you know, you could feel some of their frustration in there. And uh, when that ball went up and you see Julio running wide open, you're you're like surprised. You, you just can't believe that that happened. And in your mind, you put it in the back of your head. All right, that's six. That's a quick score. And then as you're already, you know, analyzing the, the touchdown, he drops it. And you could feel that rim deflate. I mean, the amount of size, the, the, the collective size, it was just like a, a rush of air from people just who couldn't believe it. I mean, earlier in the game, you saw Matt miss Julio on a, on a would-be touchdown again. Um, and then to see your best player, one of the best players in the league, drop an absolute give-me touchdown. I mean, you just have to hang your head and feel like, you know, yeah, it's it's that kind of game today, but it's also that kind of year. And to see that, I mean, it's just proof that something is not right with this team. Yeah, and there was also a, a deep pass, um, also that Matt tried to throw to Julio, and Julio got his feet tangled up, and that could have been a, another big play for the Falcons as well. 
Um, and it, it does seem like, because uh, I remember talking to Matt Carolee after the Bills game, and in that game, Matt Ryan missed a, a couple of deep shots in the, in, the, in the game, and it was the expectation that, okay, once he starts hitting these deep throws, you know, the issues early in the season have been the timing has been off because Julio missed so much time and, and Gabriel missed so much time. And eventually Matt will start hitting these deep throws and, and the Falcons offense will get back on track. And it did seem like after he hit that one against the Jets last week, it was like, okay, that's something that we can sort of build off of. And hopefully, you know, him being the league's least accurate deep passer based off of pro football focuses metrics um, is is something that you know that was an issue for the first six games of the season, and moving forward he'll he'll get back to he'll bounce back and, and get back to normal, and then the sort of see the inability to connect on on these deep throws, not necessarily all of them being because of quarterback error, um, and certainly two of them you wouldn't blame on the quarterback at all, and then you know maybe the first one is iffy. I'd have to wait. So I see it on the L22 before I, I felt one way or the other. But um, it does seem like it's close but no cigar with this offense. And it does feel like if they can get that aspect going, then you know things could change for the better for them, um, at least in terms of getting those explosiveness. And we saw last year when they are explosive, when they are able to dial up those big plays at will – you know, it, it it becomes an immensely difficult offense to defend, and maybe that will help alleviate some of the issues scoring wise and, and efficiency wise. But um, you know, to see it rear its ugly head again last week um, certainly was not a positive step uh, forward for this season um, with the offense. Yeah, a couple things I want to add about the deep ball. I mean. You've got to remember that Matt didn't have Julio or Gabriel for most of the preseason this year, most of camp. So, you know, that the whole deep ball issue, you know, part of that is timing. And um, this is a team running out of time. You know, that's their that's their biggest challenge right now is that there's not a lot of games left and they've got to start winning now. But, um, you know, Matt was incredible last year with the deep ball. It was a big part of his MVP season and hasn't happened this year. I think part of that, too, is because of uh, the way that Kyle Shanahan schemed things. I mean, you guys remember how many times Hooper was wide open and how many times Gabriel was wide open and they were easy and those aren't coming this year. So I think, I think some of the credit is due there to Shanahan. And I think that Sark has to do a better job of scheming his guys open and and taking advantage of the speed that Gabriel has and, and, you know, the sneaky athleticism that Hooper has. I mean, some of those, those, uh, those play action runs where he would kind of pretend to block and then sneak through the, the the trash and find himself wide open you haven't seen that this year so i hope it's something that they can work back into the offense yeah definitely definitely yeah i mean it, it just seems like this offense is um lacking the confidence um and, and understandably because they're just not executing in the ways that they need to um and and i i think you know you, you talk about the timing i think the lack of confidence and not you know, how much, you know, us being mere mortals and not playing professional football, how much of it is a mental game? It seems like a significant amount of it is a mental sort of aspect. And, and when you're sort of playing, um, you know, with your back against the wall a little bit and, and, and playing a little tight, it does seem like uh, you, you get some of the mistakes that the Falcons are making. Um, we knew the Panthers would be a, a tough out. They, they really did a, an effective job slowing down the Falcons' run game um, in that game. It did seem to me, rewatching the game, 
and I tweeted this earlier on Monday, um, that it did seem like the Falcons were sort of had Devontae Freeman on a, on a little bit of a pitch count in terms of how they were utilizing him and, and the play calling seemed to be dialing back on how much they used him. And so you do wonder um, with him seemingly re-aggravating his injury, how effective he's going to be against the Cowboys if, if that continues to be the case. The, the Falcons have already come out and said that he is expected to play this week, but he'll be limited in practice at least on Wednesday. So it is an interesting thing and with Tevin Coleman, and this has been a popular complaint from people, um, and I'm curious how, Mike, you, you feel about it, but sort of the usage of Tevin Coleman, and he just really hasn't been overly effective as a as a tailback, as a running back the last couple of weeks and has not been necessarily used in the passing game. I, I saw, um, I can actually pull up the exact number, I think, um, but his like success rate the last three games combined as a running back is 16%, um, which is about a third of where it was the, the previous three games um, when it was uh, close to 60%. Um, so, you know, he just hasn't been able to sort of pick up the slack, and, and that's something um, that the Falcons are going to have to figure out, If especially if, if Freeman is somewhat limited coming to Dallas. Uh, what are your thoughts on sort of Tevin Coleman's role in the offense? I think it's definitely changed with Sark, and, um, you know, he's not getting as involved uh, as he was in the past game last year, it seems like. Um, you know, he's still getting some targets here and there, but they're not creating those mismatches, which is what Shanahan did best. Um, you know, and I think, you know, the success rate is a good, you know, way to tell if, if the run game is being successful or not, obviously. And, you know, even though Coleman and and Freeman have pretty good yards per carry numbers, you know, I think some of those numbers are skewed by some of their longer runs. Uh, like, you know, yesterday Freeman was locked up most of the day. Uh, he had one pretty long run, but other than that, um, you know, Carolina did a great job and, and that was something that Freeman told me like right off the bat was that he, he gave a lot of credit to Carolina's defense and said that they were great and he, he didn't want to take anything away from them. But at the end of the day, he felt like, you know, and, and a lot of the guys felt this way is that it's on them. You know, they, they don't care about who they're playing. They, they feel like they need to just do better as a team and, and not worry about the opponent. Uh, so, you know, an, an introspective look from them is, you know, we've got the guys in the building. We just need to go out and play better. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because Freeman's uh, success rate has been very consistent the um, the last couple of games, and you know, it's just been he's been limited by the number of carries more so than not being productive. He's been pretty much hovering at fifty percent or higher for the entire season. Um, but when he's getting, you know, nine carries this week, 12 carries or 11 carries this past week, as opposed to the, the 19 to 20 carries that ideally you want to see him, then that does sort of, uh, sort of dial back the, the effectiveness of the run game. And unfortunately, these last couple of games, Tevin Coleman hasn't really sort of filled in those gaps as ably as he was doing earlier in the season. So, well, I go, I want to ask you some more questions, Mike, but uh, for all you guys that are not like quite like me and, and haven't heard what Mike has been saying and thinking, okay, maybe I'll get back on the Falcons bandwagon. You're already ready to move on to the 2018 season. You guys should probably be checking out Locked On NFL Draft with hosts John Ledyard, Trevor Sikama, both past guests of this podcast. Uh, you guys can find Locked On NFL Draft at LockedOnNFLDraft.com. 
and of course on the Locked On Podcast Network, wherever podcasts are found. I'm, I'm also curious, Mike, what are, what are your thoughts on um, people calling for the no huddle uh, to, to be utilized more to maybe provide a spark for this offense? Do you feel like that's something that uh, would help uh, or is it reached a point where at this point the Falcons need to do something and pretty much just throw as much stuff at the wall and see what sticks? Yeah, I mean, I think you can tell Matt Ryan's really comfortable in the no huddle. I think there was a drive towards the end of the game that they went no huddle and scored pretty quickly, uh, unless I'm getting mixed up. I think it was a 92-yard drive. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it, was, it was their last score. Yeah, uh, they looked great. I mean, there was, a, there was a big, you know, busted tackle there by Gabriel. He ran almost and scored there. But, um, you know, I think throughout Matt Ryan's career, we've been saying, let's run more no huddle, let's run more no huddle, and I uh, believe – you can find a quote somewhere from Ryan about the reasons why they don't always do it. Um, and there is a reason why. Uh, but I, I think, I think you're right. I mean, for Sark, obviously what he's doing is not working. He's, he's not being creative enough. He's not using his assets in the way that they need to be used. But again, he didn't drop that touchdown that Matt Ryan threw to Julio. He, he didn't overthrow Julio in the earlier throw. And, and, you know, the one that he also had to Julio where he got tripped up, like you said, I mean, that happens, uh, you know, people wanted a flag on that, but that's happened to Julio a few times this year. He's not getting a flag on that. Um, I think it's a combination of things, you know, and, and, you know, what really gives me hope. And, you know, again, if you've followed my work at all, you know, I'm always going to be optimistic about things. Um, I, I think that, you know, the, this roster is good. And some people are saying, you know, oh, we could do, we could do a lot with a, you know, a top 20 pick. I mean, think about last year. They had to you know, attack McKinley and Duke Riley were their top picks, and everybody else they're not getting really much contribution from. And and Tack is even not even playing, you know, thirty five percent snaps, maybe forty percent or less. Um, you know, a draft a draft class is not going to save this team. They've got the guys that they need in that locker room. You know, it's just about getting on the same page. And I, I really think that, you know, we overestimated. Uh, or we underestimated how big of a loss Shanahan was going to be and how big of a loss even Patrick DeMarco was going to be to this offense. And and they're dealing with that now. You said the right magic words there, Mike, by mentioning the greatness of of Patrick DeMarco. You you know what podcast you're on. Um, (laughs) That's right. Yeah. I, you know, I think, I think you're right. I think that's really sort of been, you know, that doesn't fix the problems, obviously admitting that, you know, we met, we might've went into the season with, with, overly high expectations on, on, on some of those fronts offensively, that doesn't necessarily fix the problems, but it is at least worthwhile to identify some of those issues. And, and hopefully maybe uh, that will help us resolve these issues. Not maybe not necessarily mid season, but after the season when we get into the off season, but that's still a long way away. A lot of football left to be played. Let's um, switch gears and let's talk about the defense. Um, they certainly, uh, started strong. They got the two turnovers early in the game. They really sort of came out. We we saw the same issues that's been plaguing this team quite a bit the last couple of weeks, which is the offense can't sustain offense in the third quarter, and the defense gives up prolonged drives, and it's sort of this circular effect where the Falcons just are getting dominated in the time of possession, and, and when the defense can't get off the field, it limits the opportunities the offense can to try to get themselves back on track. And then because the offense can't sustain drives and they're getting three and outs and whatnot, the defense is, is wearing down faster because they're spending all this time on the field. 
Um, what were your impressions on the defensive performance from uh, yesterday's game? You know, I thought it was overall encouraging that they started forcing some turnovers. I mean, that was just a huge issue. And it was it was plaguing the offense, too, because, again, those long drives are, are killing the defense and keeping the offense cold on the sideline. So, you know, it was good to see that. And I thought they played a pretty good first half. Um, the pass rush, you know, is inconsistent. But again, you got to give some credit to Carolina. I mean, they're, they're a unique team and Cam Newton is one of the most unique athletes in the world. So seeing him escape some of the the pressure that the Falcons had on him, uh, was incredible. But, um, you know, I was, I was trying to get something from the team, you know, from the defensive players in particular, uh, about this Carolina offense and how they prepared for it. And if they were surprised by anything that Carolina did and they were adamant that no, you know, the coaches prepared us, the coaches, you know, the players on the Panthers did exactly what we thought they would. Um, which is, you know, a little concerning because again, if you're, if you know what the offense is going to do, why are you letting them, you know, drive on you? And there were a couple things that stood out to me. Uh, when I spoke with Ricardo Allen, he said that, uh, there actually was something that the Panthers did not show all year on film and they showed they broke it out this game against Atlanta and that was those long runs that Cam Newton had. Uh, he said that the Panthers never let Cam Newton uh, keep the read option in the middle of the field. They, he always gives it up or does something different or throws it. He, he'll, he'll never actually keep it and run uh, when they're in the middle of the field and he started doing that. Um, on Sunday. So they were a little unprepared for that. And I think that's why you saw some of those bigger runs from Cam. Um, and another thing, I think, you know, this defense is is facing a little bit of an identity crisis. I mean, do, do they want to be a zone team? Do they want to be a man team? Because, uh, you know, what Ricardo Allen told me was that they're okay with giving up these little three and four yard catches. They, they do not want to get deep beat. He, he, or beat deep. He said that, uh, that's their priority is to not give up anything big and they're okay with keeping the ball in front of them. But it's, it's causing these issues where again, you get, you got a guy like Christian McCaffrey who is, you know, built to be that kind of receiver who you can throw a quick pass to. He's going to juke somebody out and, and pick up five more yards. Uh, he, he gave them problems and, you know, he said that they're okay with giving up those little three and four yard catches. But I think that they've got to make some adjustments because, giving up those yards and missing tackles is, is what's prolonging these drives. So um, I think, you know, when they go back and look at the film and, and, and see the way that Cam and, and Stewart and McCaffrey beat them, I mean, th- this team was without Kelvin Benjamin and, and Greg Olson and uh, they had Matt Khalil out there uh, and they were out without R- Ryan Khalil and Cam Newton really didn't do much from the air, but they were still having trouble. So a lot of that was deception. And uh, that's what Grady Jarrett mentioned was that, you know, they have to be really disciplined and gap sound when it comes to playing the Panthers because there's a lot of deception going on there. And when Cam busted out some of those new, um, you know, those new designs and the read option that they hadn't seen before, I think that was causing them a lot of a lot of issues. Yeah, I think you, you brought up a lot of the, the things I noticed rewatching the game. Like initially, my impression was, oh, the Falcons weren't prepared for the read option. They gave up a big play early to Cam on the read option where, where Vic Beasley sort of bit down on the run. And I think that's probably a, the play that maybe Ricardo Allen was referring to where he kept the ball and they weren't expecting that. And that's one of the reasons why Beasley bit down. But for the rest of the game, rewatching it today, I, I thought the Falcons were disciplined in terms of how they played the read option moving forward. It's just a lot of times 
Cam was converting or, or when the, he would give it up, they were just missing tackles. It was, I remember there was one where Ricardo Allen himself sort of uh, Brooks Reed crashed down on McCaffrey and, and it was up to Ricardo to sort of take Cam on the edge. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was a third down or a second down, but it was a second and short or something like that. And he just m- missed the tackle in the open field and, and they converted and it, it did seem, it stood out to me rewatching the game today, how many missed tackles. And, and that was really a, a major issue for the Falcons. And one of the reasons, as you said, why the, the Panthers were able to keep some drives extended. Um, I thought, you know, there, there was a lot of issues with sort of discipline and, and, and assignments being blown in, um, in coverage from time to time. I, the, the play where Cam scrambled out the pocket and, and quote unquote dunked on, uh, Desmond Trufant, um, that was a, a situation where they were playing zone and, and that was Devondre Campbell's zone. And he wound up picking up the running back um, and, and was clueless to that, the fact that Cam Newton was scrambling out to the pocket. And, and so those are things that you need to pick up on. It's like, yeah, you did right to sort of play the zone, but the whole point of playing the zone, especially against a, a team like Carolina, is you have to keep your eyes on the quarterback and, and not let Cam get outside the pocket. And, and and that sort of gave him Cam Newton a free lane. That's why there was no defender seemingly in the area that, to sort of make that tackle, and he was able to scramble for the touchdown. Um, Deion Jones had to wind up coming from all the way across the other side of the field to try to make the tackle. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's those sorts of things that I think this defense really needs to work on cleaning up. And um, I think they're, they're close but uh, they just need to make that leap and and and, and figure it out. And, and it's it's frustrating to me because you know we've we've talked so much about the talent on this defensive side of the ball um, that they've accumulated over the years, and they certainly have. And with Dan Quinn and, and sort of his defensive mindset, it's it's frustrating to see the team look so undisciplined in in, in games like this, where the missing tackles is, is still a major issue with the team and, and sort of some of these blown assignments. So hopefully they can get that stuff cleaned up. They're certainly going to be up for a huge challenge against the Dallas um, Cowboys next week. Uh, we, you know, at this point I'm assuming Zeke is going to play and who knows he'll get suspended. He'll get reinstated. He'll get suspended like four times this week before Sunday. <laughs> so uh, we'll find out, but um, yeah, it, it's certainly that Dallas Cowboys offense um, and another mobile quarterback, and then we got Seattle with Russell Wilson, another mobile quarterback. And, and so far this season with Cam and Tyrod Taylor, we've, we've really sort of struggled with these quarterbacks that can run the football. And, and you would hope that, you know, part of the reason of having all these athletes on that side of the ball is so that we could sort of nip these things in the bud a little bit more easily than we did in, in previous years. Where we One of the reasons why Cam Newton was so effective against the Falcons defense was because of the lack of talent, the lack of athleticism we had at that second level. So hopefully they can they can get these things cleaned up, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, just quickly, I wanted to add on on the defense. Um, you know, I, I spoke with Keanu Neal about that exact you know question that you had about this defense growing, and um, you know, I asked him about that. I said, you know, how close are you guys to being where you want to be? Because we we all want this defense to be great. We know it has great players. It's got a great coach. It's got a good DC. We know that they've got, you know, everything that they need to be good, but why aren't we seeing them, you know, take that next step? And he just kept reiterating that, you know, they're still young, they're still learning, they're still growing. And and every day and then every practice, every week, they're working on that and they're working on 
being the defense that they want to be. But, you know, we, we've got to stay patient with them and know that these guys are young and, and hopefully they'll get there relatively soon. Yeah. Fair point. Um, Mike, is there anything else that you had thoughts on this game or your, your, your press experience? Did you have the hat with the little piece of paper stuck in it that said press? <laughs> no, no, I didn't have that. Okay. Um, yeah, you can read. Uh, I had a locker room report up on the Falcoholic today that you can check out with some more quotes um, and a little bit more about my experiences. I'll have some other stories. Uh, excuse me, coming up. I spoke with Sean Weatherspoon a little bit, and he had some cool quotes. Um, you know, not about this game, but just about being back in Atlanta and how he's feeling. Uh, so I'll have something up about that, and uh, also probably just about my first press experience in general. Um, but yeah, I mean, just. Even though people are panicking, you know, on Twitter and, and all over the world, this team is not panicking, <laughs> you know, and Grady Jarrett, there was one reporter who was just kind of kept kept going at Grady to try to get him to to say something that he didn't want to say. And Grady was getting a little bit like, you know, I keep saying this over and over, you know, our best days are still ahead of us. We're not we're not panicking. We're not quitting. And, you know, he said that he's going to continue to fight and he, he knows that his teammates will. And uh you know, I, I don't think you're going to see this team lay down regardless of the outcome the next eight weeks. Uh, they're they're going to give it everything they've got. Okay. Um, I should I forgot that we should bring this up. Um, the news today that the Falcons worked out Byron Maxwell. What, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, we spoke about this a little bit pre-show, but um, I think there's some something going on that we don't know about, um, you know, whether it's Robert Alford potentially being injured. Uh, again, he looked fine to me. When I talked to him, he wasn't banged up, uh, wasn't wrapped up or anything. Wes Schweitzer was, had a big wrap on his ankle with some ice. So if Alford was hurting, he didn't look like it at all. But um, again, you know, Jalen Collins is coming off suspension pretty soon. So whether they decide to keep him or what their plans are for him um, are kind of up in the air. But, you know, Maxwell's a familiar guy with Quinn. And even though he hasn't done so well since he left uh, Seattle, I think – uh, Maxwell will be pretty nice depth if he's if he's signed for cheap. But I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, initially seeing the news, I was like, okay, I'm fine with that. Like when he got cut a couple of weeks ago, and people were like, oh no, don't bring Byron Maxwell. I was like, they brought him back in as a, as a fourth corner. Um, I wouldn't have a problem with it. it. You know, certain matchups, like you know, I think I mentioned this on this podcast earlier, but like a, a team like Minnesota where they have Stefan Diggs and, and Adam Thielen, um, and, and Diggs pl- spends plenty of time in the slot. And I think, and you have Laquan Treadwell on the outside. I think in that sort of game, you would love to have a situation where, whether it's Trufant and Alford, sort of shadows Diggs inside and outside, and then you have a big corner, and then whoever doesn't take Diggs takes Thielen, their, their you know, primary possession guy. And then you need a you know putting Brian Poole on a, on a big guy like Laquan Treadwell is not necessarily a great matchup in that situation, and and so having a big corner like a Jalen Collins or like a Bat- Byron Axwell makes sense in that particular matchup. Now I wouldn't necessarily say you need that for every single week, but like for that particular game, it, it would make sense to have a guy like Byron Maxwell. And so the thought, at least for me, a couple of weeks ago when he got cut was okay if they signed him and, and stashed him. Maybe uh, for that particular game, it would make sense um, or if, if Collins wasn't ready or whatnot. So um, him as a depth piece, no worries. You know, you're signing a fourth corner. I think worst case scenario, he's probably a 
an e- equal to CJ Goodwin at this point. Um, you know, best case scenario, he's an upgrade there. Um, if now if Alford's dealing with some injury issues and, and he was nicked up late in that game, um, and I guess we'll find out. And, and it does sound like you're right. I think it's either this move is an indicator that maybe Alford's a little bit more nicked up than initially we suspect, or the team maybe is looking at sort of moving on from Jalen Collins when he comes off suspension um, in the very near future. I don't know if it's next week or the week after, um, but uh, when, whenever that is. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I can never complain about a team adding depth, so it, it's fine. He knows the seat, his scheme. There's been times in the past where he's been a competent number two cornerback. Um, he's certainly not a number one guy. Julio Jones put that to bed. Uh, two years ago, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if the Falcons wind up signing him, no, no worries there. It's fine. Yeah, like I said, I think I think this is uh, preceding something that's going to happen with the cornerbacks. So just keep an eye on that. But yeah, you, you can't really do much worse than having a guy like Maxwell as your fourth corner. So I'd be okay with it. Yeah, yeah. So um, Mike, let the people know where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find your writings on that particular Falcoholic website, and uh, what other websites that you will be providing content for in the near future. <laughs> yeah, so um, you can find me on Twitter at Rise Up Reader. Um, I've been doing some work for the Falcoholic. Uh, every week, I have a pregame uh, matchups article to watch, and also, uh, yeah, I just had that locker room report go up. I'll have some other stuff. Uh, about my press experience going up on there and also on riseupreader.com where you can find mine and uh, my co-host on the Rise Up Reader podcast, Corey Woodruff's work. Uh, we also do the Falcoholic post-game podcast as well. So you can find me pretty much in those places there, but um, and also here. And Aaron, yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, you know, the, the best Falcons podcast always has to bring in the second best, uh, best <laughs> both, so... Oh, I see how it is. That, yeah. That's why we had you on our podcast recently to kind of make you know do that same thing there, right? Uh, you know, you, you needed a boost in ratings, so I was happy. Oh, to man, man. Okay, I don't got any jokes for you today, Aaron. I'll say <laughs> I'll save those for Twitter. <laughs> okay, man. I appreciate it, Mike. Um, you have a yeah. good night, and um, yeah, have, um, I'm glad you got that opportunity to go to the Charlotte game. Uh, I've lived in North Carolina for since like 2006, and I have yet to go. Oh, that man. game what are you uh, doing man we we've got to go to a game like every year the either financially i can't make the the means to make it work or i'm working or the falcons aren't good and i just like <laughs> i don't want to go and spend all this money to watch the falcons lose to the panthers so um yeah. that was kind of my feeling this year i don't want to spend this money to go see the falcons lose um so Maybe next year. I, I've, I've literally said that like eight times. So, you know, maybe next year. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Or we'll, we'll take a trip down to Mercedes-Benz Stadium and check out that new stadium. You know, that, that's something that every Falcon fan's got to do. Definitely. It is a uh, pilgrimage that we all must take. And I hope to take it probably in 2018. Cool. Yeah, thanks again, Aaron, man. I appreciate it. And uh, enjoy your work as well. All right, man. You have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, guys, um, giving away a, a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. It's a $40 value. With that, you get player grades, snap counts, position rankings, fantasy tools and charts, fantasy projections. Uh, my fantasy season has really taken a turn for the better these last several weeks using the Season GM 
uh, feature that Pro Football Focus provides on their Edge subscription. Basically, you can import your settings from a, a wide variety of the leagues. I'm in Yahoo leagues. I'm in ESPN.com leagues. I, I know they can do NFL.com as well. Um, and uh, they give you recommendations on the predictions. They you can optimize your lineup, and they'll basically pr- pick you the best lineup that'll score you the most number of points. And you can use that to uh, by and large, um, you know, pick your games. I, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but my my fantasy season, like I, I actually, you know, going into um, before I started using it, it was like I was in four leagues, and, and really only two of those teams were doing well. And my expectation was like, okay, well, usually what ends up happening with me, sorry for going on this tangent while I'm plugging this Pro Football Focus Edge subscription, but I really do honestly believe this. Um, Usually what happens for me, like the first couple of weeks of the season, I find out whether or not I did a good job picking my team. And if I didn't, I usually check out and I just sort of go through the motions for the rest of the season. And I just sort of dial in on on, uh, whatever leagues I have money in or the leagues that I actually have a realistic shot at making the playoffs. And uh, about a, a month into the season, it was really only like two out of the four leagues I'm in um, that that was really the case. And, and now I feel like I, I have a chance in um, three out of the four. The fourth one, like, you know, I, I won't necessarily I thought I honestly thought that that team was probably the worst fantasy team I've ever had. And there was a, a decent chance I might lose every game. But um, I'm, I'm actually getting a little bit close back to 500. I'm, I'm competitive. Uh, let's say that. You know, I'm I'm the Cleveland Browns if the Cleveland Browns were three and and four, or three and five at this point, as opposed to to zero and eight or zero and nine or whatever the record is. Um, so yeah, that that's one of the reasons why the Pro Football Focus Edge subscription is so valuable. It's certainly helped me out, and it can help you guys out. We give away one every week on this show for anybody that uh, gives uh, a five star review on Locked On Falcons on iTunes. At the end of each week, uh, they go through and look at those reviews. If you leave your Twitter handle in the review, they will know that you are submitting your name. And then one random winner is chosen at the, each week to get that Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. So that could be you, and maybe it'll help you turn around your fantasy season. If you do not win that uh, raffle, then by all means, you can still get the Pro Football Focus content on the Lockdown Podcast Network by checking out Mike Renner. On Locked On NFL every Wednesday with Matt Williamson. You can check out Jeff Ratcliffe every Thursday on Locked On Fantasy with Vinny Iyer. All right. Yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot to add. Uh, we will go more in depth on this game tomorrow's episode in the All-22. I'm sure you guys have plenty of good questions that I will be more than open to answer. It was good talking to Mike. I, I talked to I told you guys on, yes, on Monday's rant. So confusing with the days. Um, Monday's rant that, you know, we would bring on someone who was a lot more optimistic. Mike has restored a semblance of my accent. I was literally on like a zero out of a hundred in terms of my optimism for the rest of the Falcon season. I was checked out. I was ready to check out, but hearing Mike say some of the things that the players were going to sit, were saying, you know, I, I, I can move it back up to like a 12 out of a hundred, you know, 12 is there's something there. Um, now if they wind up, Losing to Dallas, it'll go back to a zero, and then I, I guess I'll have to talk to Mike again to get it back to like a four or something like that. So, you know, if they win, you know, maybe we can get this thing back to like a 40 or a 50 or maybe even a, a 51 that I'm actually more optimistic than pessimistic about the rest of the season. Who knows? That'll be a day. 
uh, if that happens for me. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, despite my negative, that's what I'm saying. Saying, saying, I'm genuinely hoping that maybe this is the week. You know, I thought the Carolina game was sort of their opportunity because among these opponents, they the Carolina seemingly seemed to be the the most vulnerable given their issues on offense. Um, that the Falcons couldn't necessarily take advantage of. It, it did early in the game, but couldn't sustain throughout the rest of the game. Um, maybe that's the case this week against Dallas, who's who's pretty vulnerable on defense, and maybe this is the game that the offense needs to get back on track. Who knows? Okay, standard outro, guys. Um, if you have questions about the game itself, the film itself, you can send those to Falcons. That's my Twitter handle. Just let me know. It's specifically for my All-22 review, which will be posted tomorrow on Wednesday. Um, if you're listening to this um, and you're not in the middle of driving on the highway, um, you know, the chances are I'm, I'm on the verge of recording that All-22. I'll, I'll probably wind up recording it somewhere in the afternoon. So, Send in your questions before the afternoon, in the morning, on Wednesday, or Tuesday, I'm sorry. I, I can't, oh my god, I'm botching this outro so bad. Um, send in your questions early in the morning on Tuesday, and there's a chance I will be able to answer them when I record the episode that will then be posted on Wednesday. However, the easiest way to get your All-22 questions without wasting time and characters by indicating it by tweeting at Falcons is to tweet at the show's Twitter handle at Lockdown Falcons. That is a definite, easy way to get your questions in, whether it's all 22 related or any type of feedback that you want to give about the podcast or myself in general. Um, if you don't like character limits and, and you got some rants, I've already got some solid emails from, from people that were a little ranty. Um, you can send an email at LockdownFalcons at mail.com. Character limits are also not an issue when you go to Facebook, and you can send messages that way. The Facebook page is Locked on Falcons. Of course, give us a like while you're there. Falcfans.com, LockedOnFalcons.com. That's where the show is posted daily. You can leave comments there. Uh, we're going to get this Locked on Falcons thing settled pretty quickly. Hopefully, by the end of this week, um, you guys start to seeing current content up on that website, and that will be the future home for whenever you want to find the podcast, because I know... With the shift from the new platform from audio boom to megaphone, um, you know, there's it's not as easy to simply go to one, your one stop shop for all your podcasts. And lockdownfalcons.com will be very soon that one stop shop for all your, your Falcons, lovely uh, Lockdown Falcons podcast content. So uh, we are back, you know, this, this team is regressing and I'm regressing. I'm back to the horrible, horrible outros. And uh, that's the way it goes, guys. Hopefully I will get it fixed on the next episode. And hopefully this Falcon team will get it fixed. So we will both have to rise up. Mike spoke about the Brotherhood being strong. Hopefully he's not wrong about that. Um, We will blame Mike and Rise Up Reader Podcast if that is the case. Because that's the way we are. We're just hateful people. And you guys will stay locked on. You are locked on Falcons. Your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, you are Locked On Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined from Rise Up Readers, Michael April, to discuss this. Sorry. Sorry. I just was eating chicken and a piece of chicken was coming (laughs) up in my mouth as I was saying it. I was trying to 
Okay, let me let me restart all over. All right, <laughs> this is this is gonna be a fun podcast. outtake. Yeah, yeah, podcast problems one hundred and one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>